It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome into episode 117 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast. Natty Hattie. Season preview edition for the 2017-18 season, I believe. Yes, it is the 17-18 season. No, that part you're, is, you're correct. That part is accurate. I believe that uh, this is the third season, or this will be the third season that we've done this podcast for. Yeah, right? we, still, we still kind of put up with each other. And Craig's still here. Special guest Craig Morgan is still here three years later. Right. Ever since episode four. Just typing in phone numbers over here. Yeah, Craig's not really here. He's he's not here. Uh, it's my way of coping. It's, it's your passive-aggressive way of saying you want to be done with the podcast. Is that what you're doing over there? Or Should just, I talk into the mic? It'd be nice, but I don't want to change anything up. This close to the start. Yeah, we've, done of the it for, we've done it for three years a certain way. Yeah. So why should we start hearing Craig now? The listeners are used to you talking into your coffee while your microphone sits idle about three feet away from you. So okay. how excited is everybody that the season is here? Uh, Scale fair. of one to hundred. Uh, one to one hundred. Yeah. Seventy one. What really? Yeah, Malkin. Oh, Malkin okay. edition. No, I'm excited. I, I do feel like it kind of snuck up on me a little bit. You know, I guess if you're a fan of multiple sports, you kind of get football season up and rolling. Baseball's about to head to the postseason and go, oh, yeah, hockey's back on Wednesday night. Well, and, you know, to be fair, when you take a vacation every other week, the, the year really, the offseason especially, flies by. That's so, my chair. It's okay. <laughs> louder than Craig's. Squeaky effects, chair makes, sure. an, makes an early appearance right. on sound effects. Yeah. Special guest mm-hmm. Craig's chair. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, it did. It did kind of sneak up, but, but you know, again, we, Craig and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Football season here feels like it's already over, yeah. with all the injuries that the NFL team has suffered. So, I'm ready for hockey. There was no off season this year either, especially surrounding the team we cover. That's true. There was no off season, which is why I'm not really ready for NHL season to start. But oh, you're not ready either. Nobody asked me. We're, Nobody I, consulted that was an me. Open-ended just came question up. to okay. everybody. First of all, it's throwing me off the Jamie's here. When Jamie's here, it's like. I've been here way more than I've not been here. I know, but it's just it's like uh, it's like Tyler Durkin from Fight Club when he's here. It's I don't exactly know like if that. I'm I was thinking the same thing, or if, if it's a real if I'm really talking to Jamie. So when I throw the question out, Jamie jumped in with an answer. Craig, how excited are you on a scale of one to hundred? Mm, I'm gonna say somewhere around a sixty. This is unbelievable. I'm what at ninety nine. Say what are you, Luke? Did we just lose a lot of listeners? I, th- I think that number is retired. Okay, I'm at a 98. Okay, that? Luke brought him back. I always want there to Luke's be like excited. a little room for... Yeah, hockey season is here. What, what is there to not be excited about? Well, here's the thing. Okay. Your team, the team you root for, has won back-to-back Stanley Cups. Okay. The team I, I root that. for could go really downhill this year. And the team that I cover is not quite ready to be a contender. So uh, I also that might have something to do with it. cover that team. Yeah, you do. Yeah. But you do have the Penguins. That that team is... Chicago's won three Stanley Cups in the last nine years. See, that's, you could just put an arbitrary time frame around it and it sounds good. <laughs> They've also won three in like the last 40 years. Look right? at their blue line. They've also won zero Cups in the last two years. Yes, that's thank you, point. see? All right, well, let's start there. Fun with arbitrary deadlines. The, uh, the 
<laughs> Three Stanley Cups in the That's last the name of our next podcast. It's been is a is a pretty good feat. Don't have me complimenting the Blackhawks to start off the preview episode. We're going to start with the Penguins. They've won the last two. Uh, the reason we're starting with the Penguins, by the way, is because Craig told me we have to. So that's where we're going. Mm. Trying for the elusive three-peat that hasn't been done in over 30 years. Uh, the back-to-back hadn't been done in just about 20 years. They did that, obviously, back in June. Where are we coming out on this? Is this a realistic thing? Should we just do everything on a scale of 1 to 100? <laughs> no, we shouldn't. Okay. Uh, is it realistic? Yeah, Wait, how do you feel about that idea? So uh, I, I give that idea a 37 out of 100. That's, that's better than I could have hoped for. I mean, yes, it's realistic. Pittsburgh's got a very strong team. They return most like, return most of the players they did last year. Maybe they'll have Chris Letang for the long haul. Maybe they won't. Apparently, it doesn't matter as much as I thought it mattered at the start of the postseason. I mean... History tells you it's very unlikely, but as I look through the rest of the league, I don't see another very obvious team that I say, that team is better than Pittsburgh on paper. That's fair. I, I, will, I would agree with that. I don't think they're going to win three in a row just because at some point you've played all these extra playoff games, and they do. I mean, Chris Letang just can't seem to stay on the ice consistently, and, and who's to say they don't have another injury somewhere. I don't think their offseason losses are as damaging as people want to make them out to be because a lot of those guys were sort of later in their career or they were replaceable but they have lost pieces they're not as good now on paper as they were going into last season yeah you're talking about a backup goalie you're talking about a Ford who was past his prime and probably can be replaced Trevor Daly defenseman who couldn't even make it in Chicago I might add couldn't even fit on their blue line he was was pretty helpful for Pittsburgh Nick Bonino might hurt them. Benino hurts. Yeah, yeah. Benino's the one that hurts. But for the most part, I, I, I don't think that their losses make them any less of a Stanley Cup contender than mm-hmm. they were before. And I just, I, that's more of a comment on I don't see another team that I think that that team is ready. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm out on Washington. Well, we have talked about this a lot. I, I think Edmonton is rising, but I don't think Edmonton's good enough to win the West yet. Blasphemy. I know. So I tell that d- to TSN. Despite everybody in Canada that tells me Connor McDavid's the best player in hockey and Edmonton is going to win three cups in the next two years, neither of those things are going to happen. I thought Edmonton already won the cup this year. Oh, that changes have. my whole preview. The only, th- the only th- You're right. There t- the, when you look at the other teams that you would even consider contenders, Anaheim's starting the season without two of its three best defensemen. They'll probably miss a month. And they're still Anaheim. They've had they've had some issues in the postseason. Let's be honest about that. Even though they have a very good blue line, they have some good pieces. They haven't had great postseason success since that cup that was about a decade ago now. Yeah. Tampa Bay, you want to believe that this team has all the pieces, but they had injuries last season. They missed the postseason. You, you still have to get Tyler Johnson and Andre Pilat back to where they were. They need to produce more. You have to see Steven Stamkos get through a season and believe he's healthy. You still wonder about that blue line. They, they, they probably still need a piece because getting Sergachev probably doesn't help them this season. He's still probably a guy that helps them down the road. So when you try and find the teams, Edmonton and Toronto are still too young. There really isn't a clear-cut team where you say, this is an elite team like, like Chicago or L.A. were coming off the last few years. I still feel this is a little bit of this transition period that Craig's talked about a lot. He's talked about the turnover in the Western Conference. Again, I like Calgary. I still think they're a little bit away. I, I, Nashville's a kind of an interesting team where they lived up to their potential in the postseason, but they didn't for most of the regular season. Edmonton's probably a year or so away. Columbus, I still think they're a year or two away from being truly like a team that we're talking about in the cup final. 
And I just don't, they don't really, Toronto, same deal. Tampa Bay, we talked about with their injuries, they still only won 42 games last year. So it, it's tough to see another team, at the very start of the season, we say, yes, they're the team that the Penguins have to worry about. Somebody will emerge over the next six mm-hmm. months. But right now, it, it's tough to pick anybody. I think their, their biggest competition might be Anaheim. But I don't know if any of us are all that confident that Anaheim is going to be uh, the team that comes out of the West this year either. Anaheim doesn't feel like a a, a fun team to make the pick. Oh, well, I'm going to predict the Ducks to win the Stanley Cup. Like, they're always there. They're good. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure, still, according to Vegas, they have the highest over-under in terms of points. So they are predicted, you know, by the public, I guess, as being the, the best regular season team. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about who's going to win the Stanley Cup. The thing I would say about Pittsburgh is, and I completely agree that it is wide open this year, I think that's just better for hockey in general, because if Pittsburgh maybe had lost in the conference final last year, I'd be picking them as my favorite to win it this year, because they do have a good enough team. But it's just hard to pick a team to win three years in a row, especially when they have to go through the Metro. So you know their first two rounds of the playoffs are going to be difficult, unless, I guess if they won the division and got the second wild card and some team snuck in there... Mm -hmm. But it's, it's going to be a tough path, and yet not having a clear-cut winner to me is going into the season not having a clear-cut winner I think is great for hockey. I really do. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's, and, and we talked about this on the previous podcast as well. Again, like you said, Jamie, with the Western Conference, it's, it's really hard to handicap even who's going to make the playoffs in the West, not, not to mention who's going to make it to the Cup Final. And, and the East feels similar because it, I know you talked about the Metro still being a power I have some questions about the Metro. I don't think Washington's going to be as good this year. I still need to see Columbus do this on a consistent basis. That that still is the anomaly in the Columbus Blue Jackets history. They need to prove that they can do this again. Can Cam Atkinson really score 35 goals again? Is Alex Wenberg really an elite number one center? There are a lot of questions surrounding a lot of teams. So They've it, never won a playoff series. Yeah. <laughs> and yet we're, you know, we're all singing their praises as a a great team, an elite team. They've got to prove it for two seasons at least. And we've seen teams in the past peak and then fall back down. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen Columbus, maybe not to this high, but do this as well before. So it's tough. You look at Montreal, I don't think they have enough pieces. Their goaltending really, really helps them, but they don't look like a cup contender anywhere else on the ice. The Rangers, that, that window for them to actually win a cup is closed years ago. We don't need to talk about Ottawa. We've, we've trashed them enough over the last several months. I mean, so I guess the interesting storyline would be watching the teams like Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary, and seeing, okay, how far along are they? Do they, just whether it's by luck, whether it's by just quick maturation, whether it's something else that happens, can they pop up and contend with the big dogs that have been on the porch now for five, six, seven, eight years? But I just don't see an obvious answer. Yeah, and Calgary, Calgary's a fascinating team to me. And of course, we talked with Eric Duhacek earlier this week about them. You know, you add Travis Hamanick, you, you bring Yarmer Yager in, it's, and you've got a young mix up front. You've got one of the best blue lines in hockey. A lot of people look at Toronto and Edmonton and assume, okay, here's our cup final, if not next year, several times in the future. But Calgary's an interesting team in that mix, and that's another team that could take a big step forward. I feel like Calgary has built a better team than Edmonton, but Edmonton's more dangerous, obviously, because of McDavid and Dreisaitl. If you, if you stacked up the two rosters and just picked one yes. team out of it, I feel like... Because 80, of luck and injustice. <laughs> I feel like 80% of the roster, if you build an all-star team between the Oilers and Flames, 80% would be the Flames. They've built their team more for the long haul, but you know Edmonton came in and they got McDavid, and they drafted well to take Dreisaitl where they did, and... 
I love that the battle for Alberta is is a is a legitimate mm-hmm. rivalry among two of the top teams. I got a couple teams I want to ask you guys about, and one of them we sort of already touched on, so I want to go back to them. Has the public perception, and this might be totally fair, in fact it is totally fair, uh, of the Washington Capitals swung too far the other way? Because now we're treating them like, well, they, they can't win a Stanley Cup, so how good really are they? They could easily still win the President's Trophy again this year. Yeah, I, I mean, when you look at the losses, what ultimately they lost, they didn't lose TJ Oshie in, in the end, so that's that's important, right? Well, yeah, he has all their money now. Yeah, he does, and for, that, that's a problem. For but the next ever. They did keep, I mean, I don't know how much you're going to miss Carl Alsner, Justin Williams, some, some of these guys, but they're, you know, your backup goaltender. They're probably pieces that you can replace, but it's little hits to their depth, and, and again, this is this is... Somehow, some way, a flawed team when it gets to the postseason. Anyway, I don't, I don't know what they need, but I, I, at some point, I wonder about the Capitals' psyche as much as anything. If they weren't going to win the cup last year, when the heck are they going to win the cup? And what are they thinking? What are they believing about themselves right now? After they had that golden opportunity, everything was in their favor last season, and they didn't get it done. Get, get going into Game Seven. Look, you can you can sit there and you can talk about how how much a team mentally might be impacted by a loss. Every year we can pick teams out that might just be they might just be demoralized or whatever, but we never know really how much of it is 100% true because you're not talking about one player. You're talking about a 23-man roster and a coach and a coaching staff and everything. But for them to go into Game 7 against Pittsburgh last year at home with all the momentum in that series because they had rallied and won the last couple games and not even score a goal, that to me was the first time when I... Because I've kind of been on the Capitals' bandwagon the last few years of being... That one guy who's saying, look at all this talent. This team's going to break through at some point. When they couldn't win Game 7 against Pittsburgh th- this past season, that, to me, was... I don't know how they bounce back from that. They're going to be in the mix because they're too good not to be. But the problem is, and it's what we talked about in the postseason, the team that comes out on the ice this year is in no way going to be better than the team they iced the last two years, and particularly last year. And if that wasn't enough to get the job done, I don't know when it could be. Now, maybe Pittsburgh gets just ravaged by injuries, and then you're in a situation where they're trying to go through the Columbuses, Montreals, Torontos of the world, and maybe they can be better than them. But it's, just, it's tough to look at that team and say, yeah, that I feel confident they're going to now take this next step forward this year when they've had better teams and have done less. Don't you think the best thing that could happen to them is if the expectations go the other way and they sort of fly under the radar and... You know, they finish second in the Metro or whatever, and they come in as almost an afterthought. Like a good team, but an afterthought, and maybe some of that pressure gets off. I don't I don't know that that's going to happen, though, with the Capitals, just because of who they are and their their basic narrative. That I, I don't think people are, people are going to look at their season and just say, okay, yeah, but wait for the postseason. I think that's yeah. going to be the storyline around the Capitals until they do something in the playoffs. There's a chance that it happens in the regular season, but there's no chance once it comes to the playoffs that people aren't going to talk about past failures. And and again, you don't know. I, I want to see what this team looks like mid-season. I want to see what this team looks like following the Olympics. Even though they're not going there, you have a lot, they have a lot of players on that team, including their best player, that would have, that's going to be very, very upset about not being there. Does that create some sort of tension with the team? I mean, there's just so many things going on that I, I can't look at the Capitals and say I have any more confidence than I've had the last two years. And they flat out haven't been able to get the job done. A couple other teams I want to touch on. Nashville who made the Stanley Cup last year, pushed the Penguins to six games, I thought played really well. It was great for hockey. We talked about it a lot uh, during those episodes, how fantastic it was for the sport to have exposure for guys like P.K. Subban and just the hockey scene in Nashville and, and the way they sort of came together with the uh, the music community there and everything. And, and that, was, that was a lot of fun. And I think it was great for the sport on the national stage. 
but we talked about this a few episodes ago. You're, you know, talking about a team that underachieved during the regular season. I think we all agree, but also was the 16th team out of 16 to make mm-hmm. the playoffs. And now they're playing who knows how long without Ryan Ellis. They lost James Neal. They lost Mike Fisher. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs, but it's no given that they even make it in in that division. Yeah, and I if, if I did a, a column on NHL season preview. I don't even have, and this is crazy when I was going through it, but it, it, in my heart, I don't believe that the National Predators are even going to be a cup contender this year. I think they're going to struggle this year. I, I think they'll be a playoff team in the West, but like you said, they were the last team in, and they just got hot. They got hot at the right time. They took a bunch of hits. And it's not easy getting out of the West. And I, I just I think there's going to be a hangover for this team this year, and they're going to struggle a little bit. Unless, of course, they go out and get Matt Duchesne and improve that center position. That you could think change that changes things. everything. It could. I, I, it, it could helps. be an injection. It could really help their center position. Yeah, I mean, give them sort of that dynamic they need up front. Yeah, that's the key. I mean, this is a team that you want to watch for potential trades going forward, and especially at the trade deadline or sooner if they get a guy like Duchesne. They can counteract some of the, the losses they have because of injury and because of just players that they have lost, whether it was to Vegas or otherwise, by just playing up to their potential earlier in the season. But yeah, I, I don't. Even though the West is just weird, and you can make a case for probably ten teams to come out of the West because nobody's that great, not because the ten teams are that great. I just don't have a lot of confidence that that Nashville is going to do it. I mean, we talk about their blue line. Their blue line's excellent, but yeah. I like Calgary's blue line more. I might even like. I mean, Anaheim's well, you mean without like, without Ryan Ellis? Yeah, yeah, without Ryan Ellis, I do. And and I, I mean, we we talk about them underachieving. When you look at Nashville's forward group, are you blown away by their forward group? No, you really no, not. No, it's but, not a great forward group. And and there are questions about Pecorine now too, who's getting older and older. Can he had, play the same kind of you know minutes and and games as he has in the past? We had uh, Adam Vingan on last week, a couple episodes ago, and he you know he was pretty clear that the biggest issue for this team obviously other than the Ryan Ellis injury is their forward group and, and you know how many of those guys overachieved like their top goal scorers last year were Philip Forsberg who I I'm pretty confident that's who he is he's yeah, been he's, that way for a couple of years uh, he's definitely better than Martin Erat who they traded to get him I think we can all say that <laughs> oh is he well I mean I guess if you want to take the real long view the jury's still out but I feel like he's better but Victor Arvidsson was their other mm-hmm. dominant goal scorer and He's never done that before. We don't know. And, again, James Neal's consistently 25 goals. He's not there anymore. Yeah. So who's scoring? And exactly. That's Exactly. And, and to James Neal's point, and we brought this up a couple shows ago, there was nobody – I had not seen anybody more upset about losing a player yeah. at, at the expansion draft than Poyle was about losing James Neal. And I think that says a lot about what he meant to the team. He could go get him back at the trade deadline. I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked by that. <laughs> I mean, that would be interesting. We agree that Nashville's getting Matt Duchesne. I know when we they, had Vingan on last week, he said basically now that they have to rely on Mat- right. Matias at home without Ryan Ellis, it makes it tougher to make a trade. But, again, David Poyle always gets the guy he wants, and Joe Sackick always seems to give up the guy right. somebody it's else just wants. It's going to wait until the, the offer goes down to, like, a you know a yard of firewood or something. Yeah. And Draft pick. I just don't know where else he would go at this point. There are a couple places. I could see him going to Columbus. Really? Yeah. Nashville makes they, the they most. They need to help the Tortorella too. can't wait. Yeah. yeah that, that can't goal. wait. <laughs> but, yeah. What, what will John Tortorella look like this year, by the way? Which John Tortorella will we get? I think it depends how the team starts, I agree right? with you completely. Yeah. <laughs> give, me, give me, like, a month to answer. Yeah. And if Columbus is hovering just below 500, I think we may get, like, 2014 John Tortorella. But uh, if they start out strong again, I think we're going to see the same sort of 
re- reformed head coach that we right. saw last year. Or, or at least until Sean Avery writes another book. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dallas, a team that didn't get mentioned by either one of you when discussing contenders. Well, they are in my dark horses to win the Cup. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that we, we have a script. if you just read something I, I, I feel once. like the hype is, is going a little crazy on Dallas right now. It might I, be. I, I like them. I think they're a playoff contender. They had massive flaws two years ago. They still have most of those flaws now. Now, they're, now the goaltending should be a bit better, assuming Ben Bishop is the Ben Bishop from two years ago, not the Ben Bishop from early last season. Are you but implying we're talking a, a lot about split personalities yeah. today, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, well, Maybe that's the title of the show. Split person. Goalies are weird. It doesn't really work Goalies with NHL weird. preview. Split personality, no. no. Okay. Uh, again, they're, they're, again, they have the ability on offense to be an elite offensive team, mm-hmm. but I, I don't like their blue line. Their goaltending should be improved, but I'm not, I'm not ready to say this team is already just going to be 20, 25 points better than they were last year just because they got Ben Bishop. To me, two things stand out here. You have to hope... I mean, signing Mark Mathot was probably a good move for this team. He's, he's going to help their blue line. He's not a big name, but I think he'll help. I think the, the big thing on their blue line is some of those young players have to progress significantly. And then the other big question here is, what sort of impact does Ken Hitchhack Hitchcock have on this team. Can he make them a better defensive team? We know they are going to have to play with more structure. He's going to demand it. We know he has a shelf life, So, but Dallas is all about the now, so maybe Hitch is there for three years before he retires for good. But if he can overlay that sort of structure on this team, get them committed to it, I mean, when you look at that forward group, man, that top line could be the best top line in hockey when you're talking about uh, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, and Alex Radulov. It's pretty good. Boston's got a pretty good one, too, now, assuming they don't trade David Pasternak. But, you know, to Jamie's point, and this pains me because this is going to be the first and quite possibly last time this season I agree with him, I typically don't like just picking a team to make a 25-point jump. There's usually, I mean, a lot has to go right for that to happen. But in this case, you know, two seasons ago, Dallas finished with 109 points. Last season, 79. They had a ton of injuries. Um... I am a little nervous about just assuming that because all these pieces look like they fit together on paper, that means they suddenly will on the ice. It never works out quite the way you planned it out when you're when you're putting together a roster. But they made good moves this offseason, and mm-hmm. I kind of feel like what they are is probably the true Dallas Stars coming into this offseason was really closer to somewhere between where they were in 2016 and 2017, and that's about an 84, 85-point team. So if you add these other pieces on, I think they're at least a playoff team. Yeah, I, I think they're a playoff team, and I would I would pick them to make the playoffs. But I think there's this line where, and partly because nobody really knows how to handicap the West, as Craig brought up at the start of the show, they say, "Oh, why not Dallas?" And I just think there are too many, I think there are too many flaws on the back end for Dallas to be a true Cup contender next year. But you know what? Maybe, maybe they just decide to outscore everybody like they tried to do two years ago. And if they have better goaltending, maybe they might be able to get out of the West. Yeah, and maybe they go acquire another defenseman at some point in, during the season to help out there if they identify that as a need. But I, when you you got to have good goaltending from Ben Bishop. We all agree on that. We, we agree that Hitchcock has to make this team play better defense as well. But when you look up the middle, look at that team up the middle now. Martin Hansel is your third-line center. Which is what he should be. He's an excellent he's third Fantastic. Should excel in that role. So he's a pass. He's, he's, I think he's a pretty good second line center, but he is an absolute tremendous advantage if you have him as a third line center. Mm-hmm. Assume you can get you know a decent amount of games out of him. But if he's able to play, if he can give them seventy games this year, which I know is you know not by any means something you can just count on from him. But if he gives them seventy games and he's healthy for the playoffs, that's a tremendous addition. And Radulov's a good addition too. I just 
I think people see the, the year he had last year and they look at his KHL stats and they just assume he'll do that in the NHL. That's not the case. You know, but, but he's playing with Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. That's going to help a lot. And, yes. I, you know, I also look at this as a really big year for Tyler Sagan. He, I think this is his chance to – I already think he's there, but there's some people who look at his defensive game maybe unfairly and, and judge him that way. But I think this is his year to move up into that elite status of, of number one centers. He's got a coach who's going to make him be a complete 200-foot center, forgive the – cliche and oh by the way after this season he has one year left on his contract so he's going to be playing for money as well I think this is a really big season for Tyler Sagan his big thing is not to the extent of Hansel but can he stay on the ice he's had some tough Mm -hmm. injuries the last couple years the addition of Ken Hitchcock who is such a different style of coach than a lot of teams are used to how much does that potentially set them back at the beginning of the year? I'm always wary of teams that switch coaches. I know, I know when they do it in midseason, for whatever reason in the NHL, it can work out really well. <laughs> but I'm always wary of just assuming a team that has a new coach is going to get out of the gates quickly. Yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult to say for sure, but it's also not... No, say it for sure. <laughs> they're also not that young of a team. They're not dealing with... Uh, they have a lot of veteran players, a lot of players that do have some, you know, an ability to play a two-way game. That I don't know if it's going to be the same transition it would be if you stuck him in, let's say, Edmonton, for example, uh, for players that are used to going one direction for the most part and, and being dynamic offensively. But it, did you just it, make it, a One Direction reference? No, I did not. Are you humming One Direction right now? I, I probably know make like this is one or two One Direction songs. Okay. I have my guilty pleasure songs. They're not One Direction though, oh, so okay. I, I can't help you. All right. I don't believe it. I've totally lost my train of thought. But, uh, but no, I, 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 I don't understand why. <laughs> I think overall the Ken Hitchcock's addition will be a plus for Dallas, even if it does take a little time to get used to. But I'm not sure it's going to be a massive transition period. And it, you know what? And when you, even if it is in the West, I'm not sure it matters this year. I think you can – I don't think you need to be one of the high seeds in the West this year. I, I think the Western playoffs this year – could be absolutely insane where you have upsets all over the place. You know what? So-called I upsets. That. Yeah, like just basically get the, be one of the get eight in. teams in the playoffs and then let's see what happens. If I'm reading this right, yeah, these aren't alphabetical order. You have Dallas, Craig, winning the uh, the Central Division. I your do. Craigslist predict- see, I read. I read at least two words of your article. Well, you did after I asked you to. You just opened it doesn't up the matter. Forced now, to. Didn't you? Uh, you have Chicago fifth in the Central Division. You're out of control. You have the Blackhawks. Fit. I was waiting for somebody to comment on No, that. no, we're getting there. Don't worry. Okay. In fact, we're getting there right now. A team that is right now tied for fourth in terms of favorites to win the Stanley Cup this well, year. Well, that, are you looking well, at TSN's well, list? Well, that's wrong, too. They have Edmonton and Toronto among the top well, five. If it was Bo- TSN's both can list, be, they'd be eighth behind say, seven Canadian teams. Both can be wrong. Uh, so, so Craig has fully gone on to the – we have uh, just kind of a little bit of inside baseball here. We, uh, my boss, Keith, is a big uh, Kansas City Chiefs fan. Okay. But he's very much one of those fans that thinks his team is terrible regardless of what the record is. Okay. So they're 4-0. But if they were to lose today, I, will, I guarantee you will walk in the office tomorrow and tell me how they're not going to make the playoffs this year. That's fair. That's kind of what Craig is at with the, the Blackhawks right now. Consider and, my upbringing. And to Consider be fair, where I grew up. And to be fair, there are a lot of red flags and reasons to be concerned. There are. However, but the, the West isn't great. Too far. The West isn't great, and the Central is very much not great. Okay. I think it's I think it's more likely Minnesota misses the playoffs than Chicago, if you it's ask me. It's definitely more likely that Nashville misses. Chicago's not missing the playoffs with Joel Quenville as their coach unless Taves gets hurt. There's just if, if the Blackhawks just play out their season and everybody plays for the most part their games, you know. Alex DeBrincat might make that roster, by the way. It's that's yeah. going to be interesting. Has. Yeah, that's, that's uh, yeah. 
They're anyway. not missing the playoffs. And right. In fact, they're a dangerous. Team I'll, I'll cop to all that, so we can just end that discussion on the Blackhawks. I'll <laughs> oh, cop yeah, to I'm all sure that. We'll never yes, talk about yes. it again. I am down on the Blackhawks because they've mismanaged the cap and mismanaged their blue line. But yeah, fifth place might be a little too low. But I, you know, when you look at the teams ahead of them, they could all finish ahead of them. They could. The Central has six. Six teams out of the seven. They're the only division. I guess we should point this out. The only division now with only seven teams. Six of them are... Lucky for Colorado, they can say they finished seventh yeah. instead of eighth. <laughs> they might as still they finish would. eighth. But uh, they have six teams that could all legitimately make the playoffs. I don't know how many of them could legitimately miss the playoffs. That's where it gets tough. Like I could absolutely see five teams coming out of the Central, but there's teams in the Pacific that are going to make a claim, too. I mean, it's not inconceivable that only three teams come out of the Central. I still think Chicago gets in, though. All right. Jamie? Did I, I made my point. <laughs> okay. Jamie rests his case. Any other uh, contenders you want to talk about before we transition to the team that is favored to win the West now? All right. Evans I, I do want to talk about one other team briefly, just to mention that. Uh, the Red Wings? No, there's oh. just the, the definition of insanity. The Winnipeg Jets still are a goalie away from being the best team in the Central Division. And do you think they would jump? Mm, I don't know. If, if, they, if, if, you, you, if you put Corey Crawford or just cloned him and put him on Winnipeg, we'd be talking about them among the Central Division favorites. What would Corey Crawford's clone be named? I said you can't even do a spoonerism because it would, wouldn't change anything. What's a spoonerism? Is so we switched the first, the first letters. I didn't know they had a, like, a real name. Yeah, there's a, there's a word for it. I learned it from my Alex. Spinning. So you, I, I can't do a spoonerism with my own name? You, you can't. Okay. You, you are a spoonerism. I'm going to tell everybody I'm a spoonerism. That's my new Twitter profile. Uh, I agree with Jamie that Winnipeg is... That's twice in the same show. Wow. It's going to be a long year. I'm feeling that, uncomfortable over here. That, uh, that Winnipeg is a dangerous team if they had a goalie. But, you know, like he just said, they went out and they got Steve Mason, who might be good and he might not. He rotates every year. With you, all that was available, though, yeah, you go yeah. get Steve Mason. Mason. Come on. You can, you can survive with league average goaltending. You can't survive with far below league average goaltending. I don't care how good you are. You just Look, you, you can't. I think it's unfair to blame all of Winnipeg's problems on their goaltending. Their goaltending was horrible. I'll state that straight out. Yeah, but let's not get confused. Yeah, they give up a lot of shots. They're not they're not a good defensive team, and that needs to change too. Which yes gets us back to that whole poor Paul Maurice four year mm-hmm. extension thing, Ooh, which makes zero sense. Here, yes, he's still on my hot seat. Just out of principle. There's he no should way. be on the hot that, seat. That topic was supposed to be named the Paul Maurice. It really was. And now, I mean, you can't get rid of a guy you just signed for four years. Right? I don't have Winnipeg making the playoffs this year. I, I don't either, and that's the, that's. And then the owner's going to look at the GM and say, wait a minute. Didn't we just give our coach a four-year extension? Because we thought Steve Mason was what the, was the What was the urgency to do that, by the way? I don't Were people know. banging on Paul Maurice's door? We want you to run our team. He was having trouble on the recruiting trail. He pulled a Nick Saban. And Lame duck coach. Deal yeah. Not doing yeah. anything. I, I don't know. We got off track again, didn't no, we? No, let's 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 uh, follow that and segue into coaches on the hot seat. Let's do that. Okay. Okay. So it can't be Paul Maurice, even though he would have been still on my list. Everybody's first pick. <laughs> Who else do you have on your list, Craig? Well, you know, Luke, if you actually read my content, wow. well, you'd be able to just, see that for I, yourself. I don't, I don't want to. Well, well let's talk content. about it. Like, I mean, I don't want to be the only yeah, one speaking here on it. who I think should be on the list, but I, a couple other candidates that I threw out were Dave Haxtall in, in Philadelphia and Jeff Blaschel in Detroit because every young player on Detroit's roster regressed last season, and that yeah. doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That organization's a tire fire right now. Anthony Mantha was better. Okay. Ant-Man. 
I didn't put him on my list, actually. That's about it. I'm sorry, I had 12 other players. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> um, yeah, that's because I, I feel like there is probably still a somewhat unrealistic expectation in Detroit that I get the feeling the Red Wings organization, and I guess to a certain extent you do need to feel this way going into a season, but I get the feeling they sort of think they're a playoff contender. And I'm not as down on them as you two are, but I don't see them as a playoff team. I think they're finishing last in the conference. I do. Wow. You want to talk unrealistic expectations. I think those exist in Philadelphia, and I Whoa. think that might be part of Dave mm-hmm. Haxtell's problem, especially when you've got veteran coaches out there, you know, instead of a, a guy who was a bit of a surprise hire, right, out of North yeah. Dakota. You've got veteran coaches out there, like three of them that you can choose from and say, okay, we need someone to come in and whip this into shape. If they struggle out of the gate, I could see them making a change really fast. That's I think, is the equation, is having a coach – that isn't necessarily proven on a team that may struggle, but in a city, in an organization where expectations are high. And so I do think... They throw batteries at you if you don't do well. (laughs) Expectations in Philadelphia are always... What else have they thrown in Philly? Uh, Snowballs, batteries. Didn't they throw snowballs? Yeah, they threw snowballs, batteries. Mm -hmm. Never a Lombardi trophy, though. Maybe if if you let the fans in Philadelphia pick the next coach in Philadelphia, would it be Carson Wentz? <laughs> I feel like it would for every team. Um, another team that well, I guess they don't fit those criteria, but Travis Green in Vancouver. Yeah, he could be a sacrificial lamb. Yeah, he? easy scapegoat. What about Bob Bugner in Florida? Just because they like to fire their coaches. I I have I, anything's possible in Florida. I have no idea what's happening down there yeah. anymore. I mean, I'm baffled by what's happening. I, I in throw out Bill Peters. I, but I don't know how likely that is. They, they love more, him. They do love him. Yeah, there. and so then they might be a lot Maybe more like patient. But and are Carolina you on board, by the way, with the Carolina? Oh, everyone, Carolina is a fashionable pick this yeah, year. Take I, a big leap up, like be a playoff team. Mm, I don't see it at all. No. They had a strong second half when their games didn't matter anymore. They, which, they do that a which lot. Is, which was nice. They yeah, two they two years in a row. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I also I don't think the team on paper looks like a playoff team. Look at the center position. Again, It's I'm not, I'm not blown away by their center position. No. Are you? It's too okay. tough of a division. I mean, they were a team that we all liked last year to take a step forward, and I guess they technically did, but that division's too tough for them. Just getting better doesn't put them in the playoffs. That's the problem they have. Well, there. and that might be a good thing for Peters. If, if ownership slash management has a more realistic view of what that team looks like now than I think the hockey world collectively does, then there's no reason to, to have him on the hot seat. But I think people, like you said, are picking them as a – Oh, this is this is the Dallas of the Eastern Conference. They're gonna they're gonna shoot right up the standings, and I I don't see it. No, uh, in this uh, this Craigslist article where he broke everything down into threes because, I why, three Pete. But okay, but I just I know that you were very strict about it. Like you mm-hmm. couldn't, you actually don't even have my first pick as far as a, as a coach on the hot seat as one of your three, but I can't imagine Jared Bednar is very safe in Colorado. I don't know. I don't know. He could be. I mean, yeah, you're right. He could be, if they have another like forty-eight point season, I could see him going. If they finish but below Vegas, it, al- it almost feels too easy <laughs> to, to blow him out. <laughs> well, let and me I, ask you this: If the Penguins were going for a four-peat right now, would he have been fourth on your list? If you were uh, breaking this entire article down into probably. fours, probably. Okay, Craig probably. doesn't do hypotheticals. I guess not. Craig, Craig doesn't like. So wait, if Pittsburgh doesn't win the Cup this year, when you do this next year, is it just going to be lists of one of zero? Actually, I haven't determined that yet. All right, check back. You should always be planning ahead. Anybody else on the hot seat? I want to do this draft. And does Jamie even know what we're going to do? No. Okay. Okay. This is the sort of thing you're going to love, Jamie. Cause oh, I'm, I'm sure. No, it, seriously. Okay. So we're just going to go around the room. 
And the I, point here... I already know which one team that Jamie's going to pick. So do you. Yeah. Okay. We're just going to try and collectively, we each get two picks. We have to come up with six teams that have no chance of making the playoffs. That when we look back at the end of the season, we're not sitting there saying, oh, Jamie took Detroit, and look, they're in the playoffs. you got to pick teams that aren't going to make the playoffs because the whole point is there's so much parity in the NHL. Now, there's some bad teams in the, in the league, but can we, without a doubt, find six teams out of the 31? And remember, 16 make it. Can we find six that, without a doubt, absolutely aren't making the playoffs? And I would say let's let Craig pick first. I get to go first? You get to go oh, first. This is so easy. Vegas. Okay. No expansion team is making the playoffs. Who goes second here? Detroit. See? Okay, uh, I told this you. This is easy. I'm going to stay on brand knew on this. We who you were going it's, it's, to It's easy early, but it's – we'll see. I have no fear. Uh, I will go with Vancouver. Now, do we snake and go back the other way? I get to pick twice. Oh, so I got to go. Yeah. Whoa, so you've changed the rules now to benefit well, yourself. I okay. Have. All okay. right, I'll take Colorado. Oh, look at you. Should we make mm. this? Uh, one of us needs to write this down. All right. All right, it's Jamie's pick. It's Jamie's pick. And, okay. And look, here's the stakes. You get mocked and ridiculed not only by me if you're wrong at the end of the year, but I would hope by every listener. Buffalo. Ooh, see, now that's. Not buying it. Not buying the hype. I, I agree that they're probably not going to make the playoffs, but I wouldn't say they're definitely not in. I, I would. That's why I picked them. Well, I know you would. You just did. We shouldn't have let Craig pick last. It's going to take an hour to make a no, pick now. I'm going with the Florida Panthers. Not Chicago? No. Okay. <laughs> wow, Florida. Yep. All right, so what do we have? Let's recap this. You went Vegas, Detroit, Vancouver, Colorado. What did Jamie say? Buffalo. Okay. Uh, and Buffalo and Detroit. Florida. Okay. All right. Feel confident with all those? Not just the ones you picked, but the ones the rest of us picked? I do, actually. Yeah, is there any other any others you would add to that list? I think New Jersey's still going to struggle. I still think yeah. they, they have a long way to go, especially with Travis Ajak being out for a while. I think that you know pushing Nico Hichet into a role for which he's probably not ready yet is is a little much to ask. Though I think they'll be a little better maybe in the long run if Zajac comes back, but I don't think they're a playoff team. Yeah, I agree. And pretty much everybody else that we didn't pick, I think, will be within. 10 to 12 points mm-hmm. of a playoff spot, so they're in kind of in that range. They just have the upside if everything goes right. Yeah. I mean, we just named Carolina, too. Do you think Carolina's a playoff team? I don't think they're a playoff team. No, I mean, it's not like I think 25 no, teams but I think they'll be within, playoffs, yeah. but they could. I think they'll be within 12 points of a playoff spot. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most backhanded compliment I've ever heard. Uh, well, I don't even remember where I was going after that. But see, was that not a game that you like, Jamie? You get to pick teams that have no chance. Yeah, I'm disappointed that Vancouver was taken before I could take Detroit and Vancouver and just got the ultimate Jamie stack there, but, you know. That's why I jumped in there and grabbed them as quickly as the I could. The Jamie stack. Uh, Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. Yeah, we Two best players in the world, according ever. to. Yeah, the ever, players ever, ever played. Where, uh, where do you see this going this season? I don't think they're ready. I don't For what? For, to win for, a cup? To, to win a cup, either team. But, but if I had to pick one of those two teams... I'd still pick Toronto over. Yeah, the Toronto team. has a better team. Yeah, they do have a better team. Beyond, I mean, Edmonton has the best player, but Toronto has a better team, but a tougher path. Yeah, yeah. so Toronto's a better yes. team, but Edmonton's path is a lot easier. But just in terms of those individuals, can they both take a step forward from what they accomplished last year? I guess let, let's do this individually instead of lumping them both together completely. Let's start with Austin Matthews. I'm guessing he doesn't score five goals in his first game this season. But uh, four goals in his first NHL game to get things started. And then he finishes the year with 40 goals last year, which is right up there, four off the NHL lead. 
I don't see him taking a step back. I think Craig, this is, I was talking to you about this the other day, right? We both kind of think he could score 50. I'm not yep. going to pick that this year. Probably but, not. But he's capable. I think he is capable. I think he's a pure goal scorer. I really do. I think he's one of those guys who has a nose for the net, and he. I think he'll get to 50 at some point in his career. I think even maintaining what he did offensively and just rounding out his game a little bit more in his second year is a massive success. I don't think... I don't th- when you when you start off that high up on the list, you're not he's not going to score 60 goals next year. It's not going to happen. You're not going to see an equal level jump. And same thing with McDavid. But I, I do think he is definitely a 50 goal scorer at some point in his career if he stays healthy and if he can if he can McDavid. go back. No, uh, Austin Matthews. Matthews okay. And if he's able to again stay in that 40 range, a little bit above 40, and is a better all around player, I think that's a massive successful season for a sophomore year. If I set the over under at 39 and a half goals for this season. Are you taking the over or the under? Taking the over. I think I'll take the over again. and hope for health. Wow. I think I probably would, too. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he's not going to hit 40, but that's remarkable if he steps in in his first two years. You can take the whole narrative of the fact that he grew up in the desert, even out of this. Just the fact that you step into Toronto, of all places, where you're already being viewed as the savior the second you put your skates on and you deliver back-to-back 40-plus goal seasons playing center, that would be... Yeah. That would be uh, quite remarkable. In terms of McDavid now, 30 goals, 70 assists, 100 points last year. Those numbers go up this season? What what is what does an improved Connor McDavid look like now in year three? I, he's got to play better in the postseason than he did. That's, that's yeah. the start right there because he wasn't, as we've talked about, he wasn't even their best player in the postseason. No. But in terms of production, yeah, I, when, when you're a 100-point player, it's hard to ask for improvement on that. Maybe he can't. I mean, we haven't had a 120-point player since Sidney Crosby did it in 06-07. Maybe he can get to that. He's probably the caliber of player that can reach that point. But, I mean, they have to have more team success. That's really what it comes down to. And that's hard to add. When you look at Edmonton's season last year, they had 103 points. Oh, yeah. That's going to be hard to improve on. And I, if, if people are expecting another leap from there, I think it's a little harder for Edmonton than it is for Toronto. Toronto just made the playoffs, and that was a big deal for them. But I think their their upside is higher than Edmonton's right now. Uh, again, we can talk about the various reasons for that. Um, some of the moves that Edmonton has made were not good moves, in my opinion. They don't have the pieces around him, and I think that's going to be a problem. Yeah, and when you come in and you play at such a high level, your improvements are going to be incremental, and they're going, they're going to be smaller than from other players around the league. We might come in and score... 15 goals a rookie season and then score 30 goals their sophomore year. You're not going to have that kind of a jump uh, from year one to year two for Austin Matthews or from year two to year three for Connor McDavid. If he's able to maintain a 100-point or 105-point pace over the course of a season, that's successful. And if he does it over multiple seasons and he does it over a long period of time, that's a Hall of Fame-level player. And you don't need him to score 130 points for him to show improvement. It's funny because I look at the two of them, I think it's more, I don't want to say easy, but it, it's its more likely that for Matthews, his team goes deeper into the playoffs. I mean, they made the first round last year, and we've sort of already established that we feel like they have a better team than Edmonton. McDavid may be the better player of the two, but I feel like McDavid actually still has room to improve on his numbers because not like 30 goals is bad, but when you're talking about McDavid in the sentence that people are already talking about him as one of the best of all time. It took him a while to get to 30 goals last year. I mean, there's a lot of players in the NHL that, that scored more goals than Connor McDavid last year. I think his overall stats could get better. They made it to Game 7 of the second round last year. I mean, it's going to be tough to truly improve on that because the team around him didn't get better. 
Yes, but that's going to be the area where if he improves himself, that is where they can gain the most upside there. Because as Craig pointed out, and we said it a bunch, Leon Dreisaitl was their best player in the postseason. And, yeah. and I don't think there's anybody that doubts that. No. And we can, we can go revisionist history all we want about the, the next great one. But ultimately, he wasn't all that special. It wasn't it, terrible. Nine no, it wasn't bad, games. but no. he wasn't taking over games. And Edmonton's not good enough around him for him to not take over games. And therein lies the problem, too, right? To, to expect, when we're measuring McDavid's progress in terms of team success, it's hard for him because it's, it's putting a lot on him with what his general manager has, has put around him. And don't forget, Andre Sakara is, is going to be out for a long time with an ACL tear. That blue line is not that great to begin with, so they've got some issues there. Let's, uh, let's transition from this into some of these awards. I don't know if you want to do predictions or if you just want to talk about them, but, but getting into the... Uh, we'll just look at the main ones, the Hart, the Vesna, the Norris, and the Calder. We're, we won't go too in-depth on the Lady Bing until uh, later on in the season, I guess. But for the Hart Trophy, is McDavid your pick? Yes. Craig is nodding on <laughs> yes. the radio. Yes, this, this doesn't make for great uh, <laughs> intrigue here, but yes. He is at this point. I, I don't. I'm I don't. Kind s- of. Well, go ahead. Finish what you're saying. I, mean, I don't think voters will be sick of him yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> I, I think there's. I think there's just so much incentive for voters to want to vote for Connor McDavid, and he is good enough to justify it. That at some point, like that's going to keep happening. I think he's going to have a season this year that I don't. I don't think he didn't deserve the heart last year, but you could have made a case that. Two other players deserved it just mm-hmm. as much, if not more. Mm-hmm. I think he's actually going to have a better season this year. But if Austin Matthews puts together the year we all uh, just said he's going to... There's a new number one. Yeah, I mean, by that point, we'll have had two full seasons of Connor McDavid. He's old news. We have to move on to Austin Matthews at that point, right? And he plays in Toronto. So if they have similar seasons, is it going to shock you if Austin Matthews wins the MVP this year? Well, it wouldn't shock me, but I think it, he would. His point. People are going to look at point totals and goal totals, but I don't think that. I still don't think goals are valued enough when people are looking at final totals. I think points just just stand out. If Austin Matthews has ninety points and forty three goals, and Conor McDavid has thirty goals and one hundred and ten points, I think people are going to just. I don't know. I feel like there's that disconnect still. Uh, I do like Craig's number three choice on here, Tyler Sagan, which has, I think that would be, I don't really call him a dark horse, but. I didn't see Adam Honor, that was going to be my. Uh, number three on your heart trophy, but I think that's a, a very good possibility if Dallas makes way back into the postseason, Sagan stays healthy on that top line. I mean, he could flirt with 90, 95 plus points. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot, actually. If he's able to, to play out the full season, he's. Very capable of scoring 40 goals and on that top line putting up. I'm just repeating now what Jamie said. Uh, Nikita Kucherov? Yeah, that's another one to watch in my opinion. Could Qu- be, yeah. Quietly putting up about 85 points a year. And doing it consistently last year on a team that was without Stamkos, that had a couple players that were struggling. They were they were under the gun, but he was the one guy still driving that train and, and had a terrific season, I think 85 points. He's a guy to watch in this in this mix too. They're going to be They're going to be better this year. They're going to be... Driven Stamkos, I think, is also going to have a terrific yeah. season as long as he's healthy. That's going to be a fun team to watch. And Kucherov is just, he's one of those guys. I mean, hockey people know about him. I can't say he's under the radar, but he's he's not as appreciated, I don't think, as, as some of the other players we're just talking about. Um, we're not, you know, we're obviously not listing everybody here. There's quite a few names that could, that could come up into this discussion. But I'll throw three names out there that we haven't said. Eric Carlson, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin. 
I don't think Ovechkin's in this anymore. I think his I time is yeah. passed. Uh, and this goes back to kind of the goal conversation that we had. I, I don't think he's going to put up enough overall points for people to put him in this conversation. Carlson, again, if he does what he did last year, he deserves to be at the very, very forefront of this conversation. As long as he's healthy. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Sidney Crosby's always going to be in the conversation. Crosby's the best player in the world still. Yeah. So, I, I, My thought on those three is sort of, you know, what Jamie... Jamie's making a number of good points today. I, I'm brilliant. Just say it. No, no, I won't say it. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to the listeners. Uh, there, there is, I think, a lack of appreciation for scoring goals in the NHL. If Oveshkin goes out there and puts up 48 goals this year, which he's entirely capable of... You're right. I feel like people have just sort of moved on, moved on from him, and when you when you have the voting process, and we saw this last year for MVP, it just people look at points more than goals. It's not easy to score goals in the NHL. It's in my mind the hardest thing to do in hockey is to score a goal. That, yeah, but that's I, the goal. I think you also have to. I mean, if he if he's doing that's something extraordinary from that position, if if he's scoring fifty plus goals, okay, put him in that conversation. But again, look at the responsibilities of the various positions, right? Yeah, but look at what a center does. McDavid, Look at what Eric Carlson does. David wasn't playing defensive That's, hockey last I mean, year, and he won the award. You can poke holes in yeah. his MVP's candidacy for that very reason. I I agree with you. I think, but uh, I think that's what people look at. I think they look at the responsibilities of the center position or of a guy like Carlson and, who and, plays half the game. And Ovechkin might not be the best example. I, I know I used it, but that's not, probably not the best example for the goal thing because Ovechkin doesn't touch as many areas of the game as I mean, even a Conor He's basically David. become a spot-up shooter. Yeah, which again, that's fine. If he's going to score 45 goals, there are 31 teams in hockey that would very much like that. But it, it's part of the conversation when, you have to, when you're talking about elite talent and you have to hair split – that's one of the things that knocks him down the chart. Uh, Crosby not winning last year. I, mean, I don't think he can do any better this year than he did last year, so I kind of feel like we're at the LeBron point with him where he's unless he just does something amazing and other players get hurt, he's not going to win any more MVPs. He'll be a finalist. And Carlson, I think, actually would be in a good spot to do it, but he's hurt. And there's too many pure skill guys now for a player to miss even 15 games and have a chance to win the MVP. Yeah, he'd he need to miss a single-digit amount of games or else he's going to have a very difficult time unless Ottawa goes on some crazy run and he's just a monster, which, yeah. again, is possible. We've, he could he take over games and has and will continue to. What, uh, what about the Norris, then, since we're talking about Carlson? Who else do you have in that? Uh, in that well, he's discussion? first and foremost. I mean, Brent Burns obviously won it, so you have to consider him still. Although I think San Jose is going to start taking some step ba- steps back here. I think that's a team that's going to start declining here. But uh, Victor Hedman's another yeah. guy that I think you have to mention. At some point, at some point, he, it feels like he's got to get one. It feels like this is Carlson's award to win. Like you could, This is probably the, the easiest slam dunk award of this season, except he's hurt going in. But he's, he, may, he, he may come back quickly, and if he does, yeah. I mean, if he just does what he does, the fact that he hasn't won it recently is probably yeah. going to bother people enough where they're just going to hand it to him. And, and yeah, he's, he is the best defenseman in hockey. You can make an argument that he, he's the best player in hockey. You How can make far? that argument. How far we've come in 12 months. 12 months ago. Well, you know. Huh? But, he's, when, but he when changed his Eric game. Eric Carlson yeah. delivers his mea culpa to me in person that he hadn't played strong enough defense. Well, you know, I'm sold now. I'm so disappointed that you didn't end up wearing an Eric Carlson wig <sighs> last year. We need to come up with But he changed his game. And, he did. And then, and, did, and then had success at an elite level, too, which I think is just is remarkable. Uh, I think Brent Burns comes back down to earth a little bit offensively, which is going to hurt him a little bit. I mean, Drew Doughty's very good, but I don't think he's going to be in this conversation. Uh, some other names that you could see on, on this list from other uh, writers here at FanRank Sports. Zach Varensky, I think that's a few years away, maybe. Uh, but number three, uh, Oliver ekman Larson. Now, he's 
a little bit banged up right now, but docket system, maybe he puts up the offensive numbers that kind of get him in that conversation. I'll, I'll be curious to see how his pairing with Nick Chalmerson pans out. I, I like the pairing. I don't know if Oliver's ready to move up into that stratosphere, but I, I expect better from him. Uh, another guy to mention, of course, is Duncan Keith, but he doesn't have anything around him, so that, that's a big problem. He's going to have to play 40 minutes a night. <laughs> yes. Nothing new for, for him. Uh, to the Calder race. This, to me, it's been fun the last couple of years. And actually, McDavid, I guess, didn't win it two years ago because of the injury. But you, you had such an overwhelming favorite coming in each of the last two years. McDavid, if he plays the whole season, he should have won two years ago. And Austin Matthews ends up doing exactly, living up to the hype, if not exceeding expectations last year. This year, good luck. I mean, you've got players that may make it onto NHL rosters this season after being drafted just a couple months ago. You have players that were drafted two years ago that are, that are going to be rookies this year. You have guys from last year. It's wide open this year. It really is, and, and I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, Charlie McAvoy, Clayton Keller are two guys that really jump out to me. Um, McAvoy, it's always... I feel like it's gotten easier to, to make it as a finalist for the Calder as a defenseman, but it's still hard to actually win the award because people are looking at, at offensive numbers when it comes right down to it. And that's my hesitation. I think Charlie McAvoy would be my my top pick. I think he has the ability to make the biggest impact of any of the rookies. Right now, I mean, he's getting top pair of minutes right now in, in Boston. We'll see how long that stays there. But, you know, Nico Hishier is another one. I, I don't know what to expect from, from him. I'm not sure he would have made the team if Zajac was healthy, but he's not. And you have to live in a world where he's going to be thrown in right away. Maybe he has some more success. I, I mean, the, the local guy here in town, Clayton Keller. No doubt. I mean, that, that's, he's going to be in a position to succeed. He, he had a lot of points in the preseason. I've been, you know, I, I don't want to put too much stock in preseason because I, I, I just don't. I think but it matters with him, though. I do, too. That, and, and that's exactly what I was going to say. I, he needed to show that, I, I think, in those first few games. I think he needed to prove it to the coaching staff as much as anything. And if you listen to Rick Tockett talk about him, he, he's effusive in his praise of that kid, far more so though than the other rookies that he's looking at. I think Clayton Keller has a real chance here to make an impact. If you look at the preseason stats, I want to double check. Yeah, he's he finished two points behind Connor McDavid for the NHL lead in the preseason. Now, again, preseason stats typically don't mean anything, but if you mm-hmm. look at Keller and what he's done throughout the, uh, the last year or so of his career, he was great at the World Juniors and helped the U.S. win the, uh, the gold there. He was great at the World Championships, and that, at that point, you're playing against NHL players. He was great in college. And the biggest knock, or not knock, but question mark with him is he is such a, a smaller player in stature. He's clearly skilled. He's clearly got all this upside that it, everything you've heard about him is real. But can he play in the NHL against bigger players? That's why I think the preseason matters, because he was playing against NHL-sized players in the preseason and put up eight points. And, oh, by the way, they threw him at right wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the position he's played the least of the four positions, and nobody thought it was a problem. I questioned it because, you know, you bring in a kid in as a rookie, and he's got all these expectations yeah. lumped on him. Hey, let's change your position. Is that going to be a problem? If he succeeds in, in spite of that, and in spite of the fact that he's a rookie, wow, what a, what a boost that will be for the Coyotes. And there's a decent chance he sees a lot of top-line minutes for the Coyotes this season, potentially playing... You know, with Max Domi and Derek Stepan, so two guys that are going to set him up. He's on the yes. right side now, as you just said. So if he stays there, he's in a better position to score actual goals, yeah. being a left-handed shot. We already know he's a playmaker. He just he seems like the most skilled rookie that I've seen this year. It's just a matter of if he can do it over 82 games. 
if he's going to hit a wall at some point with his size, just constantly getting hit by huge NHL players. Mm -hmm. But he's hard to hit. And that's why the preseason was so big in my mind, again, is because he he wasn't facing Drew Doughty every night, but he's facing NHL defensemen now, and he's still succeeding. Yeah, and he's going to be in a spot where he can generate offense. He'll be given every opportunity to generate offense where he's positioned, where he's uh, the line mates he's playing with, the amount of minutes per night. Yep. So he is he is in one of the best situations of any of the rookies to have success. Now the question is, can he do it and can he sustain it over the course of the season? About a couple other names here. Uh, you mentioned Nico Hishier. How do we feel about his upcoming season? Is it just simply a matter that there was an opening and they, they need to get him in there? No, I think he was going to play anyway, but he, he's going to get more minutes now with Travis Zajac out. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing because he's going to be in situations for which he may not be quite ready yet. He's going to play tougher minutes, tougher opponents. But if, he, you know, if, he's, if he's got that otherworldly offensive ability, which is why they chose him over Nolan Patrick in the first place, he's going to have a real opportunity. He's going to get the minutes. How about Nolan Patrick? Maybe his, his game maybe I, doesn't translate into raw numbers. Yeah, that's that's my concern there because it it really is when we're talking about award winners, it it usually is about the numbers, right? Yeah, I feel like he's just going to be steady in what they ask him to do, and if all of these other rookies are disappointing, then he, you know, if if the if the the water level lowers, he'll still be standing and have a decent uh, season, and maybe in that regard, he could win. I feel and it's not a knock on Nolan Patrick, but if he wins the Calder Trophy this year, I feel like we're going to look back and say it was kind of a disappointing rookie season across the board he probably has the highest floor of a lot of the rookie forwards that we're talking about but i'm not sure he's going to put up the spectacular somebody is going to have a spectacular season not a matthews or mcdavid season but somebody's going to have a spectacular season i just don't think it's likely to be nolan patrick uh alex nylander or joel erickson eck from buffalo and minnesota anything there i mean at least sort of guys that could make a push Probably players you should keep an eye on. Yeah. yeah. Minnesota would love to have a guy who produced a lot of points, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would. <laughs> I mean, Debrinkat. I mean, yeah, that's I, another guy to watch. That, right? that, that's a high high upside potential. I mean, there's you could end the season, he has 14 points and 25, 25 games, or he, you know, where's he? Yeah, is he? does he take Panarin's spot for enough games to where he's going to, with his skill level, just going to find points? I don't know. I just uh, I feel more confident in some of the, the top guys that we talked about: Hishier, McAvoy, Keller. Uh, before we wrap it up, any key trades or free agent signings from the offseason that really caught your eye as we head towards this season in terms of impact moves? There wasn't really a lot of huge free agent signings. No, I mean that going in. We we yeah. talked about Alex, Alex Radulov already. Kevin Shattenkirk going to the Rangers. I you know I think he got trashed for the postseason that he had. I don't think that was really fair. I think you look at the body of work and. That's what New York needed on their blue line, so I think he's going to help them. I feel like he got blamed for what Brooks Orpik did partially, too. <laughs> yeah, Brooks Orpik deserves a lot of blame. Um, Patrick Marlowe is another interesting one to me, at least in the short term. I, I like this signing. I think the, the money and term are crazy for a guy who's 38 years old, but I understand what they're trying to do there to get that veteran influence. And let's face it, this guy's been productive still. At this age, so slipping into Toronto, he could have a, a big impact on has, them in the short term. Hasn't missed a game since 2009. That, to me, is one of the most important stats when you look at Marlowe. I, I think they probably signed him for too long. I don't have a huge problem with the amount of money for one year, but th- you look at his age and you think, oh, he's going to break down. He hasn't missed a game since 2009. Yeah, yeah he, he undoubtedly helps them this year. It's the, separating what he's able to give them this year in the contract, because the contract's awful, and we talked ad nauseum about that on, on a couple episodes ago, but... 
he will help them. You know, they're probably not a playoff team this year, but the moves Arizona made in the offseason, getting Stepan, getting Jarmerson, getting Ronta, that changed, that accelerated the the rebuild of the franchise pretty rapidly. Uh, th- that's a that those moves are not going to make a huge impact, I think, in year one because I don't think they're going to be a playoff team in year one. But as we start to look at the how this team has grown, when we look back three, four, five years from now, that's going to be a massive accelerating point. Yeah, the more I look at it, the more I'm shocked they were able to get step on for what they gave up. And I know they gave up the seventh overall pick in the draft, but we said this constantly last year. The Coyotes didn't need any more picks, and they still had a first round pick this year mm-hmm. later in the draft. They needed a player like Derek Stepan, and to get him for that pick was. And to get Antti Ranta thrown in there was huge. Right. If Look, if that trade pans out for New York in the future, maybe, maybe it, it looks okay. I, I understand why the Rangers did it. Yeah, I, I get I'm, I'm not a big Anthony D'Angelo fan. I, I think he's got huge defensive deficiencies, and I didn't see much of a commitment to improving those. If they if the, the pick pans out, okay, if you get an elite center, fine. That's that's what everybody's looking for. So but when you, you make get, the trade, you don't even know who's going to be available. Yeah, so. yeah. And you've got, you got a starting goaltender and a, a center who can fill your number one spot. You can call Derek Stepan maybe, you know, an optimal number two center, not a number one center, although he does some things that suggest he's a number one center in terms of possession, et cetera. But that, that to me, that's a great trade for the Coyotes, uh, looking at what they needed. A, a couple more trades to watch. Well, hold on. I, okay. I feel like if you were Anthony D'Angelo's coach, you would rip the D off the back of his jersey and be like, you have to earn this D by playing. <laughs> so you'd be Anthony E'Angelo if Craig Morgan was his coach. But go ahead. You interrupted the show for that. I absolutely did. This whole show is one big interruption. That's so. true. Although, again, I'm sure usually when you put a, pl- a young player like that that has problems on his third franchise, things always go swimmingly. Yeah. Especially when it's in New York. <laughs> the the other two trades that I would keep an eye on, Artemi Panarin for Brandon yeah, Saad was yeah, the big yeah. trade That's of the, the summer. Trade. I mean, Panarin is a dynamic talent. I want to see what he can do away from Patrick Kane. If he can remain that productive... Columbus needs that so badly. They need that type of player. This could be a trade that helps both teams because Brandon Saad is certainly going to help Jonathan Taves be more productive. He's the perfect left wing for him. They played so well together. It's too bad Barry and Hosa isn't on the other side, but that's a good pairing. That, that could be a trade that benefits both people. The one trade that I think has the possibility of being really one-sided is the Jordan Eberle for Ryan Strom trade. Ryan yeah. Strom has not been a productive player if he's going to play with Connor McDavid, I, I'm still trying to figure out how that works if they just tell him to yeah. stay at the red line and get a head start because he can't skate, and Connor <laughs> McDavid skates like the wind. Yeah. So that, that seems like a weird pairing. He hasn't been a, he, He's been a disappointing player. Jordan Eberle has been a productive player. He had a disappointing postseason, so he got trashed for that. I, I think this was a... A, a one-sided trade, I really do. Maybe he can, like, what's the thing in racing where you drift behind the guy in the jet stream and, like, their speed makes you Drafting. go faster? Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe he can draft off Connor McDavid to get up the ice. Yeah, good luck. You're, you're right. I mean, that's a trade that Edmonton's on the way up. The Islanders aren't necessarily. So everybody looks at it and they're like, well, Edmonton must have a reason for doing this, so we're, we'll just assume it's a good trade. They got worse with that trade. They just they did. Jordan Everly's a better player. I mean, there's no history of trading wingers, talented wingers, for pennies on the dollar. So, I mean, I <sighs> this must work out for them. Uh, anything else here before we get to our final oh. four picks? Uh, well, no, not really. I feel like you want to do rules changes. I, I don't want the, the new rules are, are not that interesting to me. Are they that interesting to you? No. It's more. No. It's more about the rules I want to see. Oh yeah, do that. Didn't address. I mean, high sticking the puck on power plays is not an exciting rule change. To no, me. it isn't. 
you know, there, there's no timeouts for defensive teams following icing, and then there's the offside challenge change. Oh, those are the new rules. I think everybody knows those. Well, that's by the now. most interesting one, though. The offside one, in case people don't realize that, you get a two minute penalty if you challenge and you're wrong. So it's going to make people think twice about it. You really have to think about strategy and, and game situation before you yeah. decide to challenge that. But that leads me to the rule change that I'd like to see that would make that a whole lot easier. No salary cap? Just make the blue line a plane. Okay. Enough with trying to tell if a, a player's skate is half an inch off the ice. Just make it a plane like the NFL. Then it's easy to see if his skate is, in fact, over the blue line. Why, why is that so hard yeah, to figure out? That's that's not bad. That's actually that's a pretty good one. I, I I give the NHL a lot of credit because for the most part when they make rules changes, they don't they don't wait forever to do it and they typically are ones I like. Like I like that there was a concern last year that the coaches were just challenging offside on goals against them because they were just sort of throwing a dart to see if it would work and it was it was kind of slowing down the game. Now, yeah. like you said, you're not going to do it. There's a situation where a team comes in and scores on you and you're like I'm going to challenge that for for offside and then not only do they just score, they get a power play too. I mean that Change the whole game right there. We were talking to the Coyotes uh, video coach, Steve Peters, and he, you know, all the pressure. Rick Tockett even said it. Well, it's going to put all the pressure on the video coach. <laughs> and we, of course, <laughs> delivered that quote right to Steve Peters. You can see his hands shaking. Like, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really tough for them to make that decision now. Yeah, that's those are the main ones. The the, the plane for offside. That you well, I want to get rid of the trapezoid. So does Mike Smith, of course. We, yeah, we, we all Mike know Smith that the, the trapezoid is just now. dumb to me too. Let the goalies play. Why are we? Penalizing skill because a goalie has it, you know. Just just let him play the puck. And don't you think it would help defensemen too from not getting run from behind when they can't even see where the the skater's coming from? Yeah, the checker might even add a couple more goals too because not every goalie can handle the puck. That's the thing, they're, and they're doing yeah. it to benefit offense. Don't let the goal. I don't know. I think it could. I could work. It could work the opposite because you could. The whole idea is getting the puck out of your zone faster now, right? That's that's where the NHL is going. That would help. I just read your next one. No loser points. <laughs> that should be the name of this podcast. You're going to take them away completely? Just two points for a win, zero points for a loss. And only one point for a shootout win. So that they play like hell to win the game in regulation or overtime. That's interesting. I mean, you've had the uh, the sort of soccer proposal out there where three for a win, two for an overtime shootout win, one for an overtime shootout loss. That's just, just that's it's so complicated. So many categories. Yeah. I see. I, I just I make it simple. It's it's two zero. Period. You win or you lose, and I think you, you, give you extend, you extend shootout. Yeah, I think you extend overtime a little bit at a couple minutes, two three more extra minutes, maybe make it a seven minute or eight minute overtime, and it's two nothing for everybody involved. I don't hate it the way it is as much as a lot of people do, but I could certainly be talked into a scenario where you are. Either not getting two points for winning in the shootout because a lot of times it is sort of a coin toss, or or you're not getting one point just for getting to a shootout because I do feel like there are certain games where you can see teams just trying to hang on to get to overtime just to get that point. And I, I get why the NHL does it because when we get to March, there's still 24 teams in playoff contention, and it just it builds more parity and more drama and intrigue towards the uh, the final stretch run of the season. I don't know if they're ever going to change that. I know a lot of fans are, are against it. And now that, that Craig and Jamie have both spoken out against it as well, I mean, that's usually the final straw. But I, I don't know if the NHL feels like that, there's a, an issue there. Do you? I, yeah. I, again, it, it goes back to keeping teams in contention as long as possible. Well, that's that's why a, we have a second wild card in baseball. I mean, it's, it's all right. about – And, hey, job security too, right? Yeah. A coach can say, oh, we're at 500 when they're nine games under 500. Yeah. If you you know, if you know look, just measure wins and losses. And the GMs can say the same thing. We were a 500 team last year. So it looks good for, for both of those 
job titles, I think. Well, but. yeah, well, like, let's just keep in mind, the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs lost more games than they won last season. Yeah. I mean, that's... National Predators won half of their games. I, yeah. I mean, it's... And no other sport is that the scenario, but it is in the NHL. I wonder how different it would look. If oh, you just, if a you, lot. If you switched it to Craig's version where you just, you have to win... Or even Jamie's version, where it's just two and nothing. I yeah. wonder how different it would look. Because it's never been that way. Just get a ties. much better read on teams' actual success. I feel like the, the truly good teams would be way ahead of everybody else. And I, I don't know that I necessarily want that, although you can't really, you can't argue with a system that rewards the best teams. So I, I don't know. I, are we, uh, we're down to the final four picks here? I think we are. Any yeah. teams that surprise or good or bad? Do you want to throw any of those in? Or well, do you work into your final I think we've, we've talked about a couple of them already in terms of teams that could surprise this year. But one that we, I mean, we, we talked about teams that could fall too in the Blackhawks, the Senators, and I even mentioned the Blue Jackets in that mix. Um, but in terms of teams that could rise, I think everyone is expecting the Winnipeg Jets to finally do it. If they don't, I don't know what they do now when they have a coach under contract for four more years. Maybe they fire the GM for making that moronic move. Maybe they get uh, Felix Potvin to be the goalie next year. Carolina, I'm not, I'm not ready to say that they're going to make a big move, but they are the fashionable pick. The other team to watch is the team we see on a regular basis, the Coyotes. I'm really curious to see what they can do with all the offseason moves. They're playing a new system under Rick Tockett. It's a, a system predicated on pace. I like the moves they made in the offseason. I think it's all going to depend on the progress of their youth, though, because they have other pieces now around Ekman Larson has the partner that he needs. They have the number one center, but they need they need that push from the younger players now if they're going to take it forward a notch. I think the big thing with the Coyotes, and I've probably said this on this podcast before, they do have the upside to be a team that most people are probably looking at, you know, finish sixth worst record in the NHL, except they have the upside to make the playoffs. They, re- they, they do have that upside. They didn't really have that the last two years. My concern is the first month, yes. month and a half mm-hmm. of the season where, you know, to Craig's point, You've got a bunch. It's not just you have a bunch of new players. You have a new coach. Mm-hmm. You have a new coaching staff. I mean, the GM is still very young, and he's John Schleich has done a tremendous job. But it's how quickly can you bring all these pieces together? Yeah. If they can get through the first, you know, if we can get to the end, let's get to Thanksgiving, and they're right around a legitimate five hundred. Well, yeah, then I think they are a, a dangerous team in the sense that they could sneak into a playoff spot already. But if they come out of the gate and just get hammered while they're trying to adjust on the fly and learn this new system, and they're going to give up goals early, and we don't know what they have in Antiranta just yet, and other teams that they're playing are already established, that's going to be tough. Like, their first game is against Anaheim. Anaheim already knows what they are. That's a tough game to go on the road and win if you're the Coyotes because most of these guys didn't even know each other until a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's... Again, it, it, they're going to be an exciting team. It's going to be a team that we look at and say, I, get, I always go back to I want to see tangible signs of progress from year to year and for young players from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. I still think that is the goal more than it is how many points you should get this season. Now, one to two years from now, your goals have to change, and that has to be now it's time to push for the playoffs. But for this year, I just want to see tangible progress. And if they're still in playoff contention deep into the season, that's mm-hmm. great because that means the young players are playing meaningful games and won't catch them by surprise in a year or two when those games are going to start to matter. I think most of us, I think all three of us would agree that a, a, a reasonable point total for the Coyotes this year is a successful season is somewhere in the mid-80s. Mm-hmm. If they can get to that point, great. Kevin Allen from USA Today had them at 92 points, Oof. which is like, wow, that's that's a big leap. That's a, that's a huge leap, and, and again, not impossible, but that's a lot to ask. It really is, and a lot of things have to go right. They have to adapt to the system immediately, which is... 
as I said before, it's like muscle memory. They've been playing under Dave Tippett for so long. Now, I know there's some new pieces, but a lot of these guys have played in a different system. It's really hard to forget that and learn this new thing. How much do you think Rick Tockett has to sort of adapt here, too? Because we were at the game in Tucson a week and a half ago or whatever, and he was talking about how some of the players maybe feel like they're entitled to a roster spot. He's dealing with a very young team, and he had success with young players in Pittsburgh, but Dave Tippett used to talk about this when he was here. When you talk about Crosby, you're talking about one of the best players in the world who who basically right. practices like he's trying to get on the team every day. Like, he practices like a fourth-line fringe player. That's not normal. And so now Rick Tockett is here coaching all these guys that are trying to make the team, but maybe they don't have that work ethic. And he's not working with a two-time Stanley Cup champion team. He's working with a team that's missed the playoffs five straight years. How much does he have to adapt? I think that's fair. I, yeah, it's, and he's he's also got to adapt to all these new players. He doesn't know these players' game yet. You can you can watch preseason hockey all you want. It still doesn't give you a good read on what you're going to see in the regular season. So that's going to be an evolutionary process as well, watching Rick Tockett and how he coaches this team. He has to learn his personnel, learn their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, coach always has to adapt to his players, but we want to see how much that he has to adapt. And when you're dealing with a very young team, how, it's not just what, what position you put them with on the ice, but it's the mental factor. What do they know? What are they confident in doing? What are they not confident in? What can they learn right away? What takes just some seasoning to learn? And I think that's going to be, the, I think, the biggest thing that he can make an adjustment for as the season goes on. Because, again, it's a, the, the, the leadership in terms of how much success they've had in the league in Arizona is vastly different than it was in Pittsburgh. And it, it, it's just a different type of leadership. You don't have a Crosby there. You don't have somebody that's got rings, plural, that can walk into a room and it's every single time he goes into practice, like you said, is doing that and has it with championship experience. So it's going to be just a little bit different experience. doesn't make it better or worse. just makes it different. Final four picks? You go first. I'm struggling in the West. I really, so am I. really am. Yeah, the West is... So am I. From the East, I will go... I'm still going to put... This is just to pick the conference finals, right? Yeah. I'll still put Pittsburgh there because... For obvious reasons. I mean, they've. if we're assuming everybody stays healthy, which I think you have to do with predictions, I think they've earned the right to be projected to go there. And I will have them playing Tampa Bay. So why don't we all do the East first? All right. I have the same pairing in the as, East, actually. As do I. Okay. I, I Second was, year in a row. I was trying to figure out a way where I could get Washington in there, but it's it's not going to be Pittsburgh versus if, Washington. Either no. one, they're going to meet if, each other. If the early. Penguins like leave the, the league. The, the other <laughs> team, the dark horse to make its way in for me is Toronto. Yeah, yeah. see. But those are, those are my three teams in the mix, and I do have Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh as well. I think Washington's in the mix. And we all, by the way, just picked a team that didn't even make the playoffs last year to make the Eastern Conference Finals in Tampa Bay. But a team that also was in the Cup Finals a few years ago, and as you have mentioned many times, within a game of the Cup Finals within again against, yeah, against the Penguins. Yeah. And also, if again, if you switched divisions between Washington and Tampa Bay, I might have picked Washington and Pittsburgh, yeah. but that's not I what still want to. I don't think the Capitals go out in the second round. We all know that. It feels like a failed shot at Carl if he's listening out there. Sorry, poor Carl. Carl. Friend of the show, although he probably hates us. Uh, In the West, somebody else go first. I I, I still like Anaheim. I think Anaheim's the best team in the West. This Central, pick a team. I I have. I know I have my teams. I've got Anaheim-Dallas. Yeah. That's that's a fun pick. I think that's what I'm leaning toward as well because I, I think Minnesota regresses heavily. I, I don't. Th- I think St. Louis peaked a couple years ago, and that's that's where they're at now too. Bad Chicago, injuries. I, I mean, that's a team that could also lose the game in the first round in four or five games. So I, I think, as much as I said, temper expectations. I think Anaheim Dallas is the matchup I'm going with. To me, there's four teams. 
I will go with Anaheim and Chicago. Oh, he's got the Blackhawks again. But I do think Edmonton and Dallas are right there. I just I don't think Edmonton has done enough to improve. Maybe just McDavid improves. I don't think Drysdale really can improve. They're banking on him being what he was last year, and that's plenty. Maybe McDavid can drag them to the conference finals this year. But I'm still going to go with Anaheim just because they are pretty steady, and they're you know they'll probably come out of that division. And yeah, I'll go with Chicago. They are, and I, that's not me saying they don't have deficiencies. I wouldn't put them in the the Eastern Conference final, but in the West, yeah, I think they get there. Who's playing for the cup? Come on, let's play this out. I'll go first on this one. I have, I have Tampa and Dallas. I have Tampa. And Tampa and wins the cup. Yeah, Tampa and Anaheim, and I have Anaheim winning actually. I have Tampa and Chicago, and I have Tampa winning. And that was not my intention to pick Chicago to go to the cup. It's just if they get to the Western Conference Final and they're playing Anaheim, is anybody picking Anaheim at that point? No, if Chicago's gotten that far. No. I'll take the Blackhawks over. <laughs> well, I mean, it, 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 again, it might depend on how they got there. Yeah, because I. I I, I the central doesn't. I'm not excited about it. It's just hard to figure. It's hard to peg it. I figure I, I might be by the end of the year, but just right now, I, I'm not. I not all that excited by it. You also, guys, the ratings bonanza of Anaheim Tampa, my Anaheim Tampa matchup. <laughs> when everybody up north is hoping for Edmonton Toronto and they get Anaheim Tampa. Although the, all the beat writers will be happy. So two uh, nice true. places to go to in the in April. Everybody will complain, but then or they'll June. be golfing and having a lot yeah. of fun. Do you guys agree with me in the West, though, that it, it's it's one of those four teams? It's Anaheim, Dallas, Edmonton, or Chicago? Mm, I don't have Chicago in the mix. But do you see another team, <laughs> Mr. Sunshine? I mean, somebody has to somebody has to win the central bracket. So, well, that would be Chicago or Dallas. Or it could be like a team like – or if you're a team that just maybe underperforms a little bit. If, it could be if, a team – if Calgary struggles a little bit, maybe they're the, they're the – Maybe Nashville goes and gets <laughs> Matt Duchesne and, and Ryan Ellis comes back and they make another run because they have the best blue line in hockey. Yeah, that's true. That's boy, it is wide open. I love it. I love yeah, that it's, it's crazy. This wide open, and it's crazy that it's this wide open. And we all just did we all just pick Tampa to win the Stanley Cup? No, I picked Anaheim. Okay, how's that been working out for you the last couple of years? How's Tampa Bay been working out for you the last couple of years? Not so well last year. <laughs> uh, I didn't pick up the win last year, but all right, that's going to do it for us. Hockey is here. We'll be back to basically one one episode per week now that the season's going. One jam packed, probably way too long episode per week, like this one. Yeah, pretty much. Hey, it's a season preview week. Should be allowed to go five hours if we want, but uh, we Chris didn't. Schubert doesn't like that idea. But no, he doesn't. Is Chris still? Is he oh, awake? He's asleep. Yeah, somebody's got to wake him up. I think he stopped recording forty-five minutes ago. All right, for Craig Morgan, for Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the season preview edition of the Natural Hattrick Podcast. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.